Welcome to the Confident Care Academy YouTube and podcast. My name's Chrissy. My name's Anna. And we are going to talk today about boundaries in the workplace, especially if you're a new grad nurse or so just new in general to healthcare. Yeah. And lots of different boundaries. So we're excited to get into it, both with other coworkers, with the hospital in general, with providers, with yourself. Boundaries are huge. So we're excited to talk about it. Honestly, I, and I'm going to speak for Anna here because I know she said this earlier, like we're covering people pleasers over yeah. here, right? Yeah. And I think that's really common for nurses and people in healthcare in general. Like you're the type of person who's like probably gone into this profession for some reason, as cheesy as it sounds, it's a helping profession. You want to help, help people. people. Yeah. <laughs> you like it when people feel good. You like harmony. Like you want to make people feel better. You want to make situations feel better. So yeah. It's really easy to give pieces of yourself away and not lay down boundaries in order to make that happen. And yep. it's not healthy for you. And at the end of the day, there's a reason that at most hospitals, not most, many, the average like half-life of a critical care nurse is like a year or two and then they leave. So how can like you set up boundaries for yourself so that you are not like burning out so quickly? And I don't agree with like blaming the employee for burnout. I think that it's like systemic decisions that are made to exploit nurses. But there are some things that you can do to like make sure that you're not being disrespected in the way that you're being spoken to and that you set up boundaries for yourself so that you were like taking care of yourself. So I think that there are some things that are like specifically self-care, but I think that there are some also some systemic organizational things. So we'll talk about like all of that. All I'm of excited it. about it. <laughs> it's so huge because like I had such a lack of this as a new grad. Yeah. Like, do you want to talk about like the nitty gritty shift stuff first? Like boundaries as far as like yeah your I, you actual working <laughs> i can think of like the first the first thing that comes to my head and this is what i hear from new grads all the time and i kind of forget yeah. about it because i'm so far out from it but i just had someone tell me this the other day people try to take advantage of you with like getting you to pick up shifts yep. so like not just overtime but like shift switches like they know it'll be easier to peer pressure you into a switch that's not you good want for people you. To like you you're new to a unit so you want to make everybody happy mm -hmm. at your own expense often so yeah. like for me i had an hour commute each way for my new grad job it was like an hour and a half if i was coming back from night shift so then i wasn't getting home until about like 9 9 30 and then if i had to leave by five that wasn't like enough time to get a whole like seven or eight hours of sleep in so if you have any control over your schedule at all as a new grad, like try to limit the amount of flip-flopping that you're doing in a week. Yeah. Like don't be working day, night, day, all in the same calendar week. Cause it's like, that's, that's not good. If for you. you can, <laughs> it's possible. Cause I know on orientation, it's like limited by your preceptors and like what availability they have, like all that stuff. But like the first boundary I think is like, don't let a charge nurse bully you into picking up overtime or into switching out all of your shifts because you're new and you want to keep other people happy. Right. Cause that is at your own detriment, right? Like right. you're hurting yourself to try to make other people happy. And if it's switching a Tuesday for a Thursday day shift, like, okay, whatever. Sure. But if it's, if it's not going to harm you, they have this thing where, so <laughs> at my staff job, speaking of like systemic exploitation of new grads, right? So we were 40 hours a week salaried average over six weeks. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my God. So, but 50-50 day night shift split every other weekend. So, and then I had a lot of eight hour days when I was as a new grad doing like classes and stuff. Oh. I was there all the time, like four or five days a week as a, as a new grad. And then you didn't get overtime unless you worked more than 40 hours a week average over six weeks. 
So they could have you work. So you could be in a 50 hour yeah. work week or more. You could work 60 hours a week and not get any overtime. Oh, that's horrible. As a new grad who's not sleeping and is anxious and doesn't know what a heparin drip is. It was awful. That's insane. And this was, that wasn't even my main point. They didn't have a union, by the way. They spent millions of dollars busting unionization effort at the time. That's for a separate time. But my main point with this is that they had the charge nurses get in the habit of balancing the books. They never wanted anybody to pick up overtime. So mm -hmm. they would have their schedule and then they would see that they were two short, nurses short on Friday. So they would target the new grads and be like, hey, I need for you to switch from Tuesday day shift into Friday night shift. So cheap. And they didn't want to pay somebody overtime to come in and just pick up the days that they were scheduled. They wanted the new grads to fill all of their own deficiencies in the staffing. No wonder they had so much turnover. And by the way, that's a huge safety issue for you as a new grad nurse. If you're picking up on like short shifts consistently, that means there's going to be less help for you yeah. when stuff goes down. Yeah. Especially if it's all new grads on that shift. Like if it's a Friday night and <laughs> half of you are new grads or like, who's going to save you? Blind leading the blind. Like blind leading the blind. You can literally have a whole half of the unit that's all new grads or who all got off orientation at the same time. That happened to me. One of my last yeah. shifts as a ICU nurse, I remember um, being the most senior person in my pod on night shift and my patients were really sick that night. My, not just my patients, like everyone Everybody in my pod was like, uh, let's, let, we're just gonna put it out there. I guess this is gonna be rate, like a rated E podcast or whatever. Everyone was shitting the bed at the same time, all right? And like every, and, I, and I'm the resource and I'm like, I've been here for like 19 months. Like what's going on? And you're the resource <laughs> for other people for like when things go down. You're the resource, you've been there for like a year and a half. So. Why do I know the most and out of everyone right now? <laughs> during COVID, the first wave of COVID, right? So on, we, like people in my cohort had been, we were nurses for like eight months when COVID happened. And if COVID happened, we still have this like need to please. This is kind of an aside. This is a story about how I didn't have boundaries. And then they were like, we want for you guys to like volunteer to pick up overtime in the COVID units. And I was like, I can help save America. Then COVID was, you know, serving like, her country. Ah, man, it was awful. Like <laughs> I was picking up overtime on these COVID units, and then they pulled us back because we had so many patients on ECMO mm. with COVID. Like so, we had I think like eight circuits or something like that. And at Maryland, they had twenty. But it was like we had so many ECMO circuits. There was this one moment where they blocked off a whole row for ECMO, and then I looked down the unit, and it was like a Tuesday night or something. It was all of us new grads who had been there for like nine, ten, eleven months. There was no senior nurse. The charge nurse was on the clean side. So she was outside of the COVID area. So it was just four COVID circuits and four new grads. Okay, so keep Chill. in mind guys, for anyone who's not an HBICU, CT, SICU type person, yeah. back in the day, like pre-COVID era, like PC. it was PC, it was not normal for new grads to really learn ECMO ever. Like yeah. it happened on this unit because they were chronically short staffed, but that is not normal around the country before like recent years. Like yeah. that is like a very high level of care, especially if it's nurse driven ECMO and like they're, the nurses are taking on a lot of the ECMO circuit responsibilities. Yeah, the perfusionists didn't want to come. So we were like, I was changing the sweep and like like that's not normal for a new grad to do. Later, like it's yeah. not normal. That's not good because like that is a very high level of care. Like I remember my unit, you'd have to be a nurse for like close to four to five years before you would be allowed to take the ECMO class. So that back that's back in 2013, right? Yeah. So like that is like what the nursing baseline should be. Yeah. And then like here's where we ended up, and that's because of again like lack of boundaries, like people just being totally exploited by the hospitals not standing up for themselves, yeah. like collectively. And then this is where it led to. So that unit had like, there was a staff of like 90 for 18 CVICU beds. And we had maybe 15 nurses who had been there longer than five years out of that. So the average like length of time a nurse would stay was like two years 
or so. Maybe yeah. some some less. Some people would get their year and leave. Some people would do three. Um, but the staffing turnover was so high that it was really difficult to even like. You had to kind of you had to walk half of the unit to find somebody who was like a resource you could ask a question to. Because yeah. if your next four or five neighbors, they all started when you did, so they're not going to know the question that you have or the answer. Anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and like that kind of gets into um, like, well, you want to, oh, I think we can talk about like the way that hospitals exploit people. Like, so hospitals. <laughs> we're going there. Yeah, we're, all right. Well, this we're is diving in. All right. My we'll, favorite. We're not going to, we won't go too deep. We'll, we'll take it easy. Clearly's like, Keep it abridged. All right, I'm, so I'm buckling up. Yeah, TLDR here, but like the hospital systems in America, they're built off of for-profit model, and like in the United even the not-for-profit ones, yeah, are built off of are profit. still so profiting. you make there's no monetary incentive for hospitals to keep nurses. Um, if you have a nurse who's been there for 25 years and you have to pay them $65 an hour, you know you are you get a nurse for 50% off if you have a new grad. So if you pay yeah. a new grad $28 an hour versus a senior nurse $70 an hour, hospitals don't want to keep senior nurses. Right. So they're incentivized to like have new grads, treat them so poorly that they burn out and then get new new grads two years later. And I think as a new nurse, I didn't have that kind of big perspective. I was like, why don't they want to keep their nurses? Like they need people to teach other people. And that was never like their plan. Yeah. So then coming from the East Coast where there was no senior nurses, there was maybe like <laughs> maybe 15 senior nurses in a unit of 90 or a hundred staff nurses. Then I got out to California where they have unions and I was the youngest nurse by like 15 years. Amazing. Like all of these nurses have been there for like 10, 20, 30 years. They have pensions. They get three breaks, a, a shift. They're like, Really, and they also like take care of each other. Like they take care of their new grads, they take care of their younger nurses. They like have all this wealth of knowledge that was just like totally not there. What a gift, right? Yeah, what right? a gift to like be like in a privilege to work with people like that who can just like pour their knowledge onto you. It's amazing. And they like loved, and they were so welcoming and like loving of me as a traveler, as like a little baby. They were like, oh, you're a little baby. And I'm like, I'm a big girl. I've been the nurse for like two years. They're like, you're an infant, like come here. And it was like, it was really cool to feel supported in those environments too. Well, they're not burned out, right? And yeah. that's the thing about like, so, you know, unions have very varying levels of effectiveness based on how engaged the workers are with the 100%. union, how like, you know, if the representatives aren't doing a good job, like, do they actually vote them out? Like, are people actually going to yeah. the meetings? Like the union is only as strong as the people who make it up. Yep. But it's a like, tool. How are you using the tool? The union is a tool. So if you're not using it, it's not working. Right. So yeah. like in California, because like unions are so common, like there is just like a lot of collective strength and they just mm -hmm. created this culture like in mass, like across the state. Um, but you know, if you are like a, like the lone hospital with a union and like on like an island of hospitals, like no union, they're all area, HCA and, and like, none of the, they all pay $26 an hour. And that concept of like union density matters a lot. So if you are a union hospital working in an area that has a lot of union hospitals, they more make power. the working conditions everywhere higher, which is why sure. they have to pay nurses like $100 an hour in California Ooh. because the whole area surrounding are all other unions and then that makes them pay. So East Coast to West Coast, like the difference is the unions and then again, but then like as a new grad nurse, let's say that you're not lucky enough to be working at a union hospital as a new grad because you're probably not. What can you do like to try to mitigate the amount of harm? Don't sign up for shift switches without like, that's not good for you. Don't work overtime as a new grad. Cause it's like, at least give yourself six months. I feel like before you're working overtime, like let your 
let yourself learn. I don't know. I think, think so six months after orientation, I don't think including orientation because yeah. you are seriously taking in so much and getting your yeah. feet wet. And if you take on the overtime too soon, like I know you want the money. I know you want it so bad. And I know that you're being pressured, but like, you're going to be more likely like you're in that anxiety phase still like you're not sleeping good still you're probably nauseous before you go into work still so like until the light bulb clicks and the anxiety is down and you're comfortable in your work environment that's the time to go and that usually takes a full six months after orientation if not a year so like really protect yourself that first year of being a nurse um as much as you possibly can and it's literally not about you like you are an amazing nurse you're a new grad and i felt like this massive need as like a six month nurse, an eight month nurse, a year nurse, I was like, I can do it all. Why don't they give it to me? And it's like, you know, you know, it's like, you can be a really strong critical care nurse. You can have like great inquisitive mindset. You can handle anything that they take, that they give your way. You still shouldn't be working 60 hours of overtime when you've been a nurse for eight months because it's gonna accelerate your, like you're not doing self care you're not having these other boundaries. So just like, don't work overtime as yeah. a new grad. You're also gonna get fatigued and miss stuff. And like when yeah. things aren't second nature to you, when they're not muscle memory to you yet, when you don't know, there's you know this phrase in medicine, like you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. and then we that gets mixed in with like the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is, Oof. you know, when you like are in the beginning stages of like not knowing much, you're like, I don't know anything, I don't know anything. And then like you get a certain level of knowledge and you think you know so much more than you do. Like, ooh, like your confidence in your knowledge goes way up like this. And then you become like more of a real expert and you're like, oh my God, I actually don't, know, don't know anything at all. So like, I think a lot of people who are in that, like all of a sudden they get that curve. confidence boost. Yeah. They're like, I can work 60 hours a week. I can take that patient. And like, ooh, there's still a lot of things that you might be missing. And if you're fatigued physically and like burning out and like just putting out a ton of fires, like you're going to miss stuff. You're going to get burned like at work. And then all you're of, going to burn yeah, out at home. All of the mistakes that I made as a new grad nurse were when I was on my third or fourth or fifth night shift consecutively. Should never be working more than three slept. nights in a row ever. And I was fatigued and I hadn't slept enough. So every single patient mistake that could have caused harm, fortunately they didn't, but I, I did make some medication errors as a new grad. And it was because I was fatigued and I had, was on my fourth night shift of the week and I was tired and that like, it's not, it's not benign. It can cause a lot of harm. Um, which then kind of, I feel like transitions into boundaries in how you allow other people to speak to you. <laughs> I love this conversation. Chris is good at this. I love it because like I grew up in the South where people are like nice and then they're like mean behind your back. And I don't like that. But then I went to Colorado and people are like pretty direct. And then I went to Baltimore where people are very like, very direct and that was like a big adjustment but sometimes people were direct in a way that was actually like bullying and like not okay yeah so like racist that's not nice yeah you don't need to to be not nice right be nice and i think that gentle but firm you also i think as a new grad do have to set up some boundaries in the way that people speak to you both like your patients and other nurses and like providers so okay let's start with um talking with other staff members and setting yeah. boundaries with them first. Cause I think that's what you're going to come across more often than patients, truthfully. And I feel like, that's, gonna patients, feel and I feel like this, that's what's going to feel It's the harder, harder one. Yeah. It's the scarier one. Yeah. Um, I'm still scared of some people. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm way over that. They traumatized me now. Oh, but, I was so scared of some of the like senior ICU nurses when I was a new grad. I was scared back then. I was scared of everyone. There was like a few known like bullies and oh my gosh, they like, stressed me out so much there was one nurse who would just sit there and ignore you while you gave report 
and they make a little like condescending remarks sometimes. Oh, I had like a, oh, there were so many people like that. Uh, you're like holding your report sheet you're like patient bob jones is a 58 year old male history of hypertension hyperlipidemia and then they're just like sitting there like looking at you and like judging you and you like oh it was like a lot but i don't know okay so like let's say okay i want to give you a scenario that like you come across some staff nurses who are like bullying one of the people in your cohort that you started with like you like and it's not about you but they're like talking smack about somebody who's like not even doing anything bad they're just being like condescending and mean towards someone that you know but you're also a new grad like like so do you speak up for them or do you just stay silent that's hard i mean you don't want to like have a shots fired moment at yourself either but at the same time like i mean i think it's fair to when i hear people speak poorly of other people i pretty much always stand up for people um I think I might have been scared to as a brand, as new, a grad. brand new grad. That's hard. But now, I mean, I usually, I don't like go out of my way to correct people and like in a way that's going to embarrass them. But I'll be yeah. like, you know, honestly, like, hey, like, I think they're doing a good job. They're doing the best they can here. Like, and you know what? I totally get where that person's coming from, and they didn't know this, and now they know. Okay. And then yeah. usually people are like, yeah, you're right. Right. It kind of diffuses like the situation. Like a little gentle prod. Yeah, I feel like that usually diffuses the situation, and then like. Yeah. I think sometimes it's easier when it's other people and it's not you. Like you don't. It's easier to stand up for someone like a yourself. lot of times you don't want to stand up for yourself, but you'll stand up for other people. Yeah. Which is like ties into like a lot of the other points we have about like being nice to yourself. But <laughs> I can think of. I'm gonna tell a little story. Okay, so like I was a new grad and I was admitting this like fresh open heart case. I think I've told this story before. Oh, that's a good story. Yeah, and then um, we get to the point where everybody stands in the room and then you like say your name and like what you're doing. You're like, I'm Anna, I'm the bedside nurse, I'm the admitting nurse. And then Chrissy would be like, I'm Chrissy, I'm the CRNA like from admitting this patient. And then after we all went around and like named our names, um, the admitting attending physician was like, Anna, what are your pacemaker thresholds? And I'm like testing the pacemaker thresholds while I'm like checking my pumps and all of this stuff. And it, I'm not getting capture because it's, it's, it's not working. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not getting capture. And then he looks at me and then he's like, gentlemen, what did we learn? We learned that Anna doesn't know how to test a pacemaker like in front of like so 10, mean. 15 people, totally not appropriate yeah. or like constructive at all. Not appropriate. So like, what did I do in that moment? I was a new grad and I didn't say anything and it really bothered me. And mm -hmm. I wish that I had said like something in that moment because we ended up, we ended up having to place a skin lead. Like I was correct, like he was wrong, but it was like, <laughs> I didn't have a boundary and I didn't stand up for myself. I moment. think it's again hard to hard. in a moment like that when someone's just like all out making fun of you again like my go-to is to kind of just like diffuse with like a joke like or yeah. something like that or be like no or or to actually really in that moment because it's a patient safety concern that it's not capturing I think what I actually would do today is, like, is refer say to a n another nurse is like oh would you check it like could you check no it? I would actually not do that I would no. I would say to them directly like actually I'm concerned if whenever you say the word concerned it should be like or the word safety flag. it's like a yeah. red flag that makes people stop and say you know, Dr. So-and-so, I'm concerned because this pacer truly is not capturing. Here, take a look at it yourself. That's how I would address it today yeah. in this moment in time if that happened to me. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. it's also like, I say, I, I share that story so that new grads know it's like, I like wasn't brave as a new grad. I didn't, and yeah. I didn't have strong, I didn't have a strong sense of like boundaries for like self-respect either. So I think that yeah. there's a lot that you can do differently to not just kind of like keel over and sit there, but 
I don't know. So it's hard. My like main way that I like to think of breaking down these difficult conversations is understand the intention. Like understand like what's the point of the communication, what's the intention behind it, and what's the resolution. And if you can like give like a three point rebuttal, like I understand that we need to get like I understand that we need to know the patient's pacemaker threshold. Yeah. I recognize that it appears that it's not working. It's not working. Like, you know, um, let's take a look at this pacemaker together and figure it out, right? Like, yeah. or in the case of somebody like making fun of you for a knowledge deficit, like that's the more common thing you're gonna see. Like, oh, you didn't know that? Or like somebody shaming you, like you're supposed to do X, Y, Z. Like these are like kind of common conversations yeah. that come up. You know, I understand that I'm supposed to know this. I recognize that you're just trying to teach me something. I recognize that you're, you know, um, that you're worried about this, or I recognize that I should be worried about this. I will study and, you know, not do that again in the future, or I will look up the policy in the future. Like, you give some sort of a resolution. Like, I know what you're saying. I understand the intention behind why you're saying it, and this is what I'm going to do about it. That also puts somebody, even if they are sitting there being nasty, back in the position of, will you teach me? Like, yeah. and that puts them back from the place of they probably weren't teaching in a very constructive way in that moment but that kind of reframes it of like hey you're okay. teaching them how to be a teacher teaching them how to be a teacher you say it's like i understand where you're coming from that you that, you, that this is a safety thing that i need to be aware of i'm going to look back into this while we're here can you show me what you're talking about you because, really do teach people how to treat you and that's yeah that's the key yeah absolutely um i can think of and it's interesting because this kind of ties into like interview questions because you're always going to have an interview question about like tell us about a time that you like disagreed with the team or that you had a disagreement with a coworker and how you kind of handled and like treated that. Um, I think also oftentimes as women we end up dealing oftentimes with like inappropriate comments at work too. Like how do you deal yeah. with that? That yeah. comes from patients a lot. So and that comes from patients too. So, so how do you handle that with a patient is a really yeah. difficult thing. Um, I think it's what easier do you with do? I think it's easier with patients than it is with coworkers. Coworkers is really annoying. Like. Coworkers, I now like the first way that I learned to stand up for myself was with against men who were being inappropriate. Yeah. And so that and like be that from a coworker for or from a patient. So really clear boundary settings. Like so one time I'll tell another story. I was at a new travel assignment and somebody who I'd never met, he was another ICU nurse, he comes up and he's like, Is that a hickey on your neck? <gasps> first thing he's ever said to me, I've never met this man in my life. And I look at this guy and I was like, that was completely inappropriate. I was going to say, um, yeah. that was inappropriate or you're making me uncomfortable or like really good stopgap things yeah. to kind of just put the So don't laugh it. it off. It's not funny. Like a, a, a quick moment where you're like, I'm uncomfortable with that. Or that was inappropriate. That was inappropriate. works really well. That's all you need to say. Just end it there. Yeah. That was inappropriate. Kabosh. That's it. Patients oftentimes they'll have inappropriate comments. They may even have inappropriate comments in the way, like I, you know, I've had coworkers of mine who have patients who are very like derogatory towards them for mm. their, you know, religion or their race or any of this other yes. stuff. Like none of that's appropriate either. With patients, you can have like a really clear cut boundary where you're like, hey, all I'm trying to do is help you get better. I'm gonna come back in the room when you can speak to me with respect. I think that's a really fair thing to say. Yeah. Um, it would, and that goes for, family members who are yelling, like all of that stuff, you say, we're trying to heal your family member. I will come back when we can have a respectful conversation. Like I think that's a really fair And boundary. you remove yourself from- And you're situation. not casting blame. It's just like, I'm it's not, just a behavioral expectation. It's like, I'm not gonna be yelled at. 
Yeah. Like that, and I think that that every ICU nurse is gonna have a situation where people are. It's. I mean, like they're having one of the worst days of their life, but that doesn't mean that they can scream at you. I will say so. a lot of the times too, when people are violating your boundaries or like attacking you in some way, a lot of times it's like they just want to feel hurt. So yeah. Um. Just the other day, this happened to me. I was helping transport a patient to the ICU. I was just an extra set of hands and. A, a transport ventilator was left behind in the operating room and we actually had looked for it. We had a discussion. We're like, didn't respiratory leave behind the transport ventilator yeah. and we were looking for it and we never found it. And so we're like, that's weird. You know what? Somebody must have come by and picked it up. Maybe it was in the hall and we didn't realize. Let's let's find out when we get up there. That was a yeah. conversation. We're like, and if not, we'll circle back. We had a whole discussion. It was a yeah. great, great plan, right? Yeah. This respiratory therapist comes barreling down the hall, screaming at the top of his lungs at us like, you knew that you left it and, and I, you're I, like whoa. whoa and he's like he's like lashing out and so i like i'm just shocked at how this is going down like i just couldn't believe someone was, was speaking to us like that in front of patients and family members like at a really loud voice from a distance and um full throat screaming full like, throat screaming ah so <laughs> it was actually really funny because the surgeon had come up with us and he's like trying to like talk him down and the respiratory therapist is getting more and more mad like, and he's like they know they know and he's turning purple and i was like this is wild so i step out in the hallway and by the way so like again it's so much easier to stand up for other people mm -hmm. so really like i was standing up for the, the anesthesia resident who was with me because i was helping him it was his patient right so the respiratory was kind of like mm -hmm. mostly directing it towards him so i step out into the hallway and i'm like we're not going to shout right now <laughs> i said we're not going to do this where exactly do you remember leaving the ventilator i will go look for it myself and he's like he just kind of, and he's like, it was on the floor by the computer where you chart. And I said, okay. I said, Let's go. we didn't see it in the room. We did have a conversation about it. We were wondering if maybe someone took it after all and we were mistaken. I will go down right now and bring it back up. And he was just like, oh, thank you. That's I kind of just like walked, like he just like scuttled away, like with embarrassment. And like, you should be embarrassed. Sometimes you just have to like stop At like the action and like take, you, start, you just have to be the bigger person and like, like I took accountability for us missing the transport ventilator. Like we tried, like, yeah, we forgot. We didn't bring it up when we were supposed yeah. to, but also we didn't know where it was. Like we were planning on having a polite conversation about it. Like, yeah. so, you know, sometimes you just have to take using accountability and like, and just teach people how to speak. Yeah. Using your words like an adult. Another good line is there's no need to yell. Like there's say, no need to yell. We're, yeah. No that, need... That's probably the more professional way instead of yeah. we're not going to do this. Yeah. There's that no that works too. That, that works too. But like, you know, some people, Coworkers will there's get no need to yell. inappropriate sometimes and like sometimes if they're just like berating you taking a beat to let like the t the silence hit them for a second yeah and then silence said, is a good tool so like a silence and then a pause and then a there's no need to yell usually works really well that's like a good that's one clutch. That's to a like de-escalate I like what you were saying with the RT about you explaining what you had done that you had done some steps because unfortunately. I've worked with some irate surgeons who come in like angry that their patient's decompensating and it's like, dude, it's not my fault. You left them with a surgical bleed. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. A lot of times like, if you <laughs> tell them what you did, like, like show that you're taking accountability for the situation. Use your thought process that you're not just sitting there letting something happen. So then you're like, hey, I did these things. There's no need to yell. Here's where we are. Then yeah. you can kind of catch them up to like your speed with what you're thinking. Like, does that excuse the way that they communicated with you? No, but sometimes tensions are high and they only slept an hour and a half in the last two days or whatever, but still like right. communicate, use your words, use your words, communicate what you did with a patient, 
communicate what's going on. There's no need to yell is a good line. That that's a good one. Also, I did this one time. I did this one time where I was at my last one of my last travel assignments in um I'm not gonna name the name, but I was at a travel assignment and then the anesthesiologist and the surgeon wanted me to consent a patient who was nonverbal and who had altered mental status for a surgery. And I was like, I'm the nurse, and they were like, well, it's all of these- inappropriate. <laughs> they are like, our nurses do our consents for us. I'm like, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be. <laughs> like, that's... Where'd they come up with that? <laughs> it was one of these like private, you know, like private hospitals where it's like- It's like a doctor, lawsuit waiting to happen. Literally like the doctors had like the longest leash and all the nurses just like did whatever they wanted or whatever. Anyway, I'm like, well, I'm not the one. I didn't say that. But they were like, oh, well, why isn't this patient in the OR? I'm like, because you didn't do the consent. And then I called ahead of time to the anesthesiologist so that he could come consent. He's like, oh, we'll just do it when I get up there. I was like, okay. So I had the paper waiting for him. And then he gets up there and he's like, why isn't this filled out? And I was like, because the patient's nonverbal and I'm not the one to consent. Like, <laughs> I still got three years of school before I'm allowed to do that, dude. And then he starts yelling. The surgeon comes up from the OR and starts yelling. They both are yelling at each other and me and in the patient. And then with the OR nurse, no, the like, Pack you, whoever, pre-op nurses. Pre-op. Yeah, they're like yelling. And then I say, there's no need to yell. And then I leave. I just leave the room. I love that. I'm Sometimes like, you just need to put a break in the, in the moment, a they pause. Keep, they keep yelling at the pre-op nurses in the room with the patient who's nonverbal in the bed. They're still yelling for like five minutes. And then I go back in there with a little piece of paper and I'm looking at these guys. And I was like, what are you both of your last names? I was like, I'm 100% writing you guys up. Uh, that's the thing. At the end of the day, sometimes people do need to be written up. And like, it's not because you're trying to be petty, but you're protecting future patients. You're protecting other coworkers. Like if I see staff- It's a safety issue. Like, it's, a, it's a safety issue. Yeah, if I see staff being really abusive to learners, I uh, report them anonymously in our system. Now that, that's very few and far between at my institution. We actually yeah. have a really good culture. Good culture. Yeah. It's pretty awesome there actually. Um, yeah. I would say pretty brag worthy, but you know, every now and then you see stuff over the years and I do not hesitate to nope. boop, 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 boop. This person was abusing their resident. This person and spoke to their med student. As like a this. traveler, I have to me at the time as a travel nurse, my, my job is to advocate for my patients and to do my job. As a traveler, you're kind of removed from the workplace politics, and I will 100% report somebody who's being inappropriate to a patient, to a staff member, to a nurse, like, absolutely. Because the thing is, is like, especially with providers, they make the hospitals a lot of money. So if you don't leave a paper trail, nothing's gonna happen. Right. They're never gonna have a meeting that's like disciplinary. They're never gonna talk to this guy. So it's important that you file that paper trail. And yeah. I, so yeah, when somebody's really yelling and it's really inappropriate, I recommend just leaving the room. Like I won't be yeah. spoken to like you that. Can, yeah, you can walk away. I mean, that's how you create a culture of safety. Now, unfortunately in anesthesia, you can't leave the room. That's yeah. patient abandonment. Right, Ooh. yeah. You can't, um, can't leave but the- Learning how room. to speak up for yourself is really important. And just learning how to calm, you know, unsteady waters is a really good thing to do. Uh, and you know, never direct, it at the person say like don't use you statements like you shouldn't do this you right say, that cuts I, people off more you can say i won't be spoken to that way i won't be spoken to that way absolutely because then that makes it it's not an attack it's your boundary it's a pause your boundary it's not about your behavior it's about my boundary my boundary so that's a good way to do it um okay uh there's no need to yell is one i won't be spoken to that way is one i use a lot that's inappropriate. <laughs> That's inappropriate is one that is good, especially for the like uh, inappropriate content. Understand, comments. recognize, intervention. Yep. The and, sandwich, communication and you sandwich. Don't, 
you need to have boundaries as a new grad and you deserve just as much, much respect as a 22 year old new grad as you do as like a 35 year old staff nurse. Absolutely. You do not need to be putting up with being yelled at completely inappropriate. So what about boundaries um, outside of work? Like yes. how do you have boundaries in your personal life? We talked about the schedule. We talked about like not getting taken advantage of with shifts. We talked yeah. about, um, you know, obviously like communication in the workplace between patients and coworkers. Yeah. But what about like with your life at home? Like what about boundaries there? So I think learning to like speak up for your needs is really large mm -hmm. and huge. So this, oh, this, is, this ties into communication as a new grad. So like you can't do everything yourself and you need to learn how to communicate what you need help with. So, mm -hmm. and then that That's translates, that same translates to your home life. So let's say that you just work a night shift Let's say that you have a partner, maybe kids, maybe pets. I don't really know what's going on at your home life, but you haven't slept much the last three days and you guys are out of food and like there's an errand that needs to be run. It's okay to ask for help and say like, hey, partner, mom, dad, spouse, whoever, I am not gonna be able to go to the grocery store today. I haven't slept. Can you pick up food? outsource, delegate, you know, if you have the financial means, which as a nurse, I, I'm, I'm assuming that in theory, sometimes you'd be able to do this, order your groceries off Instacart just oh that one gosh, time yes. if you need to give yourself a break. I know it's more expensive. I know it's a waste of money. If you're really that tired though, set up a, that self-care boundary. Um, and what's my friend, my mom always says this phrase, she's a mental health counselor. She's like, <laughs> you have to express your wants and needs appropriately. And like, it is such a true statement. Expressing your wants and needs appropriately is the core of human communication. Yep. And that's how people know how to interact with you and help meet your needs. People are not mind readers. Unfortunately, if they were, the world would probably be a much better place. We'd realize that we're all much more similar than we think. I recently realized that I try to read other people's minds as a trauma response from can't do my that. own like life and trying to constantly like keep other people happy. Yeah. Other people are not mind readers and it's not normal to try to like since the emotional mood of somebody. Yeah, just cause you might be doing that. I also do that. Yeah. Doesn't mean everyone else is doing that. So communicate. You. Yeah, it'd be like, okay. hey, I'm tired. I don't wanna go hang out with people tonight or hey, I am gonna go do my like dance class. I'm gonna go do my like, I'm gonna go take a class with people and I need to like use that time for me. So I think also something my therapist has said, be in therapy, that's very good to you for to do, is to have like, look at your day and schedule things around the pillars of it. If you can't sleep at least seven hours, you can't do it. If you're not gonna eat three meals, you can't do it. Like, mm -hmm. and then also learn how to give boundaries with other people who want things from you. Yeah, because nurses hard. often are givers and you wanna help not only your patients, but also whatever organizations you're involved in. They like want you to be a leader, that want you to be involved in all these groups and stuff. And it's like, learn to say no to yeah. things that are gonna do nothing, but make you like frustrated at the end of the day and stressed out. So like, make sure you're eating, sleeping. Like sounds basic, we say this all the time, but like eat, sleep, build those boundaries. <laughs> yeah, and then again, like um, how you utilize your time on your day off. Like I really never like didn't know this until recently, but like scheduling ahead time blocks for your walk, for your exercise, for whatever, or limits on social media is another great example. Yeah. Like a lot of us post night shift would just crash on the couch and binge watch Netflix, crash on the couch and scroll mindlessly. And you can just do that for hours. You don't even realize it. And then like, you haven't really rested and recharged the way you think you do. You're actually more drained because you know, the world, especially it's just not, it's not good out there. And so like, let's say that you just worked a shift in the ICU where you had a patient die and then you come home and you're scrolling on nurse talk, nurse talk, 
and you're seeing all of nursing's terrible, the world is terrible. And you know, we've got a new pandemic and we're losing our rights. Like, yes, be aware, but like boundaries so that you're not just sitting in the knowledge of like how horrible everything is. You need breaks to like come up for air. And then you're just grieving and you're not like, you're, you're not taking care of yourself. I think about like soldiers like in war and how like they like take breaks to like, like think of like old war movies, right? Like I'm thinking like World War II, right? They like played like, soccer. Right, they're like, they're taking breaks to like play cards, like play games, like talk, laugh, like go out in town. Like yeah. it's not all doomed 24 seven because you have to rest and recharge and like heal before you go in for your next round. And the thing and, like, is you're one person. Like you can't work 48 hours in the ICU, 36 hours in the ICU learn what an inotrope is, take care of your patients, keep up with your mom, take care of your cats, and fix all of the problems in the world while you're not sleeping. Like, take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'd like said, just like time limits on your phone. There's different like, um, you can, the iPhone has built in like, oh yeah, screen Like time. social media, screen time, like tracking or limits. There's apps that you can do to limit and, or you just set an alarm, just the old fashioned yeah. way. Just saying, you know what, I'm not gonna scroll for more than an hour. So something that I only started doing in the last year, cause I did work night shifts in the past year. Um, and then before that I was like rotating a lot, uh, is to plan your next day or your day off or your flip day before it happens. Yeah. So that if you're, especially if you're doing a night shift and you come home and you're on your flip and you just are on the couch glued to it, it, it does make it a lot better if the night before, like right before you lay down, you make out your list on whatever planning app you use. And then you're like, okay, I'm gonna sleep for four hours. And then very simple things, but set yourself little goals and plan out what you need to get done on your day. And then you're not gonna just stay there. Yeah. Like, so, and I do this now, like if I don't plan my next couple of days, like the night before and I don't review it, then I wake up and then all of a sudden it's noon and I've missed out on a lot of time. So right. like plan your time before. And then post night shift, like take a shower, go get your nails done and go on a small walk. It doesn't have to be going to like CrossFit. It doesn't have to be like running a half marathon, but like shower, getting some food and coffee, yeah. get up and move around a little bit. So you're not like one with the couch. You'll feel a lot better. Small attainable goals. Don't overpack yeah. those days off either. You yeah. know, keep it, keep it chill, but keep it, keep it light. I think that's like the, I feel like that's a I lot think of, we covered all the boundaries that yeah. you have to let. Boundaries versus, you know, capitalist corporations. I want to milk every penny out of you. Boundaries with your coworkers. Boundaries with yourself. Boundaries with yourself. Boundaries with social media. Comment what you would like us to talk about next, because I really am enjoying these kind of more like, it's not lighthearted, it, but it's not like clinical. Look it's conversational. It. And it's important because these are things that like, I think, don't get addressed a lot yeah. or talked about in depth. And they're really important conversations to have because I think it's stuff that most of us struggle with. Most of us can relate to on some level. And if you exactly. come away with like one small tidbit that makes your life better, I think that's really worth our time. It's really valuable, yeah. So yeah. please comment what you would like us to talk about. I'm really enjoying these kind of like series where we're talking about like the the human side of nursing. I like yeah. that. Like it's not, we're talking about, you know, ARDS and event settings and the membership, but. I like this like human side of nursing too. So yeah, yeah. Too. Take Thanks, care guys. of yourselves guys.